We have been doing a series called Set in Stone. What do we do with the Ten Commandments? We're on week number nine, so that means we're on the ninth commandment. Next week, we're going to wrap up the series with the tenth commandment, which is you shall not covet. If you don't covet, it means that Jesus is more than enough for you. If Jesus is more than enough for you, you should do what he said, which is why we're going to do exactly what he said next week, and uh, we're going to remember his death until he comes. And as part of our wrap-up of the Ten Commandments series, we're going to be serving communion in all of our services. If you're around on the long weekend, Labor Day weekend, we hope you'll come make time uh, uh, for church, and we just love to, to meet you here. But we've been doing this series, and I always think it's good when we actually cognitively and verbally say God's truth out loud. I think it's important that we verbalize it out loud. It's not weird. It's not strange. We're just going to say them all together. So we're going to start at the first commandment, work our way across number eight, then I'm going to go flip the sign for number nine, and we're going to talk about what God has for us to talk about, okay? So let's reading together. God says to each one of us that we are to the, do the following. Let's read it together. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make or worship any idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. And you shall not steal. And number nine, 90% of the way there is one that I find unbelievably practical and easily applicable to each one of us. The ninth commandment of the 10 is you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Some people were giving me a hard time when I assigned Pastor Sean to preach on adultery. They're just like, ah, we know what you were doing, Grant. You were ducking that one. That's what you were doing. Well, just so you know, if I was going to duck any one of the commandments, I would duck number nine. Number nine is very personal for me because as a young man, habitually, breaking number nine almost cost me my wife my children, and my calling. I grew up as a kid with a perfectionist bent. I just wanted everything to be perfect. I wanted everybody to like me. I wanted everybody to be able to look at me and go, now that, that, that's, just, that's a cool person right there. I never felt that I really measured up, so I took the verbal skills that God had given me, and I became an expert at taking my normal, ordinary, mundane life and making it just a little bit bigger just a little bit more flash, just a, a little bit more wow attached to it. I did it because I wanted people to love and accept me. And I began to habitually lie to people over and over and over again till it became commonplace. More than just lying to people, I, I learned to, to believe the lies that the enemy was telling me. Maybe some of you this morning will be able to, to, to really relate to some of the lies because these are the lies that I've told myself, lies that come from the enemy. I just listed them in your outline. Lies like you're worthless. You're not worth knowing unless you make your life just a little bit bigger. Lies like you're never going to quite get it right. There's just something just a little bit wrong with you. You're always going to come up short. So somehow you better develop a set of skills where you can make things right verbally. Lies like if people knew the real you, They'd hate you. So I became an expert at learning how to fake it. And I would say whatever I needed to just to get that acceptance, to get that love that I desperately wanted. For years, I spun a web of lies and half-truths until I had a hard time remembering what was fact and what was fiction. I mean, do you have any idea how embarrassing it is to have to call your parents and say, I'm thinking about sharing this story from my childhood, but I was just wondering if you could confirm whether or not it actually happened or not. Because I spun so many lies, I couldn't even remember what actually happened and what didn't. 
My use of dishonesty started costing me friends. People couldn't count on me to tell the truth, so they just began to distance themselves. I mean, I found it ironic that my use of dishonesty, which I was doing in order to get people to like me, was actually backfiring and sending people away. I reached a point of total despair in my life when as a young married man, I was confronted by my wife, who's sitting in this service right now, and having her tell me that I was sabotaging our relationship because I couldn't tell the truth. And God used her to give me a moment of clarity, and I suddenly had to grapple with the devastation that breaking commandment number nine was wreaking in my own life. All of a sudden, I discovered something about Jesus. I discovered that Jesus is not afraid to step into the most broken, wrecked, and ruined moments of your life. In fact, He seems to be very comfortable there. He'll walk right into the middle of your garbage and take you by the hand and take you on a journey if you're willing to go. My journey was a journey leaving lying behind and becoming a person who loved truth wrapping his heart as best he could around a, tu- a truth that, make no mistake, my friends, reads like this, you shall not bear false witness. Jesus took me on a biblical journey. I, I've listed some of the stops that we made along the way. This is my scriptural road towards truth. Proverbs 12, says this, says, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. I mean, that's pretty strong, Right? The Bible doesn't say that God mildly dislikes lying lips. It doesn't say that that, that He puts up with it or that that He's willing to turn a blind eye. The Bible doesn't say that God has another category for for white lies or half-truths. I mean, those words don't even belong in the same sentence together. Half-truth, right? That's like an oxymoron. It's like jumbo shrimp. It doesn't go together, right? It shouldn't be there. One translation says that, that God abhors lying lips, that He's repulsed when a person doesn't tell the truth. And that was a wake-up call for me because I just thought to myself, there were so many other really bad sins that I could have been involved in and all I was doing was lying. I was just spinning the truth. I was just adding a little bit more to what actually happened. It shouldn't have been that big of a deal. I mean, I wasn't a murderer. I wasn't a cheat. I was just a liar. When Jesus showed me that God hated what I was doing, not that He hated me, but that He hated what I was doing to myself and other people around me, He taught me a very, very simple truth that I think is worth mentioning. And the truth is this, that God wants me to choose truth always. Regardless of the personal cost, regardless of the perception, regardless of the consequences, I and you as the followers of the Most High God are to choose truth always. It led me to Psalm 141, verse 3, which says this, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I mean, I think we can agree on this. Left unchecked, our mouths are dangerous. I mean, they could just wreak havoc in our own lives and in other people's lives. The Bible actually says that our tongues are full of poison, that they can cause death. I mean, just think about the power of words. How many of us as adults still struggle with the fact that as small children, somebody used words to wound us and we actually took their wounds, their words, and we personalized them. I mean, how many of us as adults are still defined by the fact that somebody along the way, they called us stupid. They said we were worthless. They said we were ugly. And we still believe that to this day. We're still trying to recover from those words. 
We take those lies, we make them our own, we begin to believe them, and we forget that. I mean, the Bible says that our words either give life to somebody or they give death. When I was struggling with these truths, I had to come to a point where I understood that my lies were killing me. They were killing the foundation of trust inside of our marriage. They were killing my integrity, one small sentence at a time. Jesus taught me another truth, and the truth is this, that I need to watch my mouth always, that it can't go unchecked, that I don't get to just take a break and let my mouth do whatever it wants to, because left to its own, it's just going to ruin everything. There was one more stop we needed to make on a journey towards truth. It came from Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. Scripture says, simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Do you see that last line? I mean, I know a lot of us have heard the yes be yes and no be no part of the verse. Did you see the last part of the verse? It says, anything beyond a yes or a no answer comes from the devil. I mean, that's a big deal, right? I don't know about you, but lying for me always seems to start just on the other side of yes or just on the other side of no. When I can't stop with those two answers, it just tends to spin out of control. A couple of weeks ago, Laurel and I were trying to surprise our kids. We took them up to Vancouver because they didn't know that their godparents were flying from Steinbeck, Manitoba to Vancouver to spend a weekend with them. And we were doing everything we could to try and keep this surprise because Lou and Joyce are just some of the most precious people in our lives. And we wanted our kids to just freak out when they saw them waiting for them in Vancouver. Here was the bottom line. Make a little confession. In order to make that happen, Laurel and I had to lie through our teeth to our children. I mean, we were lying right and left, going back and forth, and we learned something, which I actually think is a good thing. We're lousy liars, right? I mean, we're just bad at it. We're looking at each other, trying to communicate with our eyes, and, 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 and questions are being asked, and we're kind of like, yes, and no, and then we're looking at each other like, well, I thought we were going this way, and we actually ended up going this way. I mean, we were terrible at it, and it just reminded me of something. Lying is exhausting, right? <laughs> trying to keep track of all of the details of what you said, and because I mean, my kids are smart, and they're just like, well, why did you say this then, and where did that come from, and I'm just like, just trust me, right? <laughs> yeah, good, right? I mean, if, if you don't get anything else, maybe you'll understand this. I think you need to choose the truth because it means your brain doesn't have to work so hard, right? It's actually a break. When your yes is a yes and your no is a no, you're living in another truth that God taught me on my journey, and the truth is this, that I need to be consistent in my answers and my promises. What happens when we answer an a-, a question dishonestly? Well, let me just say it straight. We lie. What happens when we make a promise and break it? We actually turn ourselves into liars because we didn't keep our word. My journey was long, hard, and painful. My journey was summed up last Easter when I stood in front of more than 7,000 people here at Christ the King on an Easter weekend and held up a sign. Some of you remember what was on my sign. The words, insecure liar. You know, that is who I believed myself to be. When I fail, that's who I can become, unless I get it right 
and repent and come back to God and confess. That's who I was, but I need you to know something. That's not who I am. That's not who I am because Jesus flips the sign. I'm not pretending that I've got this thing nailed. You've got your issues, I've got mine. But it would be spiritually negligent of me to tell you the lies of the enemy without telling you to balance it off the truth of God. Because I opened my Bible last week struggling with how in the world I was supposed to preach commandment number nine when I'm the biggest violator that you can find. How could I actually share that I had to open my Bible and I had to look again at who God says that I am? And you know what? I love reading this stuff because the truth is it doesn't matter who you think I am. I'm going to tell you who God says I am. And it fires me up. Seriously, I've been blowing a gasket at this point in the message all weekend long because it means we get to silence the enemy and say, you don't get to call me that anymore because that's not who I am. God has flipped my sign. It's changed. I'm no longer an insecure liar. I'm a secure follower of the most high God. So you don't get to lie to me anymore. Let me just tell you some of the scripture that I found. In Isaiah 62, it says, God says that I am precious to God. The passage says that I am a crown of splendor in the hand of God. It says that I'm a royal diadem. I don't even know what a diadem is, but it sounds important, all right? I mean, I think that's fantastic. And it means if I'm that precious to God, it means I'm not alone. And that God delights in me as a truth teller because that's who he wants me to be. Secondly, I found that this is an amazing truth that God has said that my identity is grounded in him. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says that in spite of my past, instead of my failures, in spite of my, my lies and my sin, that I'm no longer defined by those sins. But instead of being who I was, that I am what I am and that I am a person who loves the truth and embraces the truth and desperately wants to preach the truth every week. Finally, God showed me that he knows me and he loves me. I mean, Colossians 3.12, that passage has one simple conclusion. God likes me. It doesn't matter what you think. God actually likes me. That's the truth. That is not a lie. That comes from a God who, when questioned in heaven, I mean, when the accuser shows up and says, do you actually like that guy at Christ the King in Bellingham? Are you serious? I mean, that loud mouth, talk too much guy, over the top, emotional, you actually like him? It means when God actually is asked that question, his answer is yes. And you know what's cool? It's for you too. I mean, that's an amazing, incredible gift. I mean, seriously, come on, 1130, you're the sleep-in service, right? You've got more caffeine than 830 built into your system, all right? I mean, what an amazing thing to celebrate the fact that in spite of the fact that we may be 0 for 9, that there's something inside of God that goes, I like them. They're mine. They're new creations. They don't need to live like they used to live. They've been changed. All right, this is going to freak some of you out, but we're only halfway through the commandment, all right? Okay, that's the intro. Just relax, okay? Right? It says, do not bear false witness, but it also says something else at the end, doesn't it? It says, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Oh, boy. God just had to involve a whole bunch of other people, didn't he? I mean, lying about yourself, that's one thing, right? But lying against somebody else, that goes to a whole different level. 
Man, how do we do that? How do we lie about other people? The Bible's got a word for it. It's called gossip. That's where we may take the truth of another person and we spin it. We inflate how important that we are so that they look like they're a little bit less worthy. We take the truth of a painful moment of their life. We kind of steal the truth and we do whatever we need with it so that we can benefit ourselves. If you think the Bible's clear about lying, try these verses on for size. Proverbs 20 verse 19 says this, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Okay, that verse does not mean you should avoid me, okay? (laughs) It's not what it means. Wrong translation, okay? All right? Come back to church, all right? It's saying that being close to a man who doesn't put a guard over his mouth is dangerous. The Bible actually says there's nothing wrong with staying away from a person who says one thing to your face and another thing to other people as soon as you turn your back because they're dangerous. I want you to know something about gossips. Gossips and lying go hand in hand. They feed off of each other. And God is saying, don't associate with people that gossip and lie, but more importantly, don't be a person that gossips and lies. I mean, I've got a belief when it comes to gossip. I think people who spend all of their time talking about somebody else's life really need to get a life of their own. That's what I believe. What else does Scripture say? Proverbs 26 says this, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers, as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels that go down to a man's inmost parts. Like a coating of glaze over earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. A malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbors deceit. Though his speech is charming, do not believe him, for seven abominations fill his heart. His malice may be concealed by deception, but his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Christ the King, let's just, let's just lay it out when it comes to gossip. Don't allow your words to be the fuel for somebody else's pain. Don't gain enjoyment from talking about somebody else's train wreck. God expects more from us. Don't disguise yourself with your lips. Don't don't inflate yourself so that you get to wear a mask all of the time. That mask will kill you. Instead, be honest. Be truthful. I'm going to tell you something. All the way through the series, we've been talking about the blessings of being obedient because Scripture says that every one of the commandments was put there for our own good. Not, Not to be a set of handcuffs, but for our own good. I'm going to tell you something. If you choose to obey commandment number nine, I'm going to tell you what you're going to reap. If that's what you sow, if you sow obedience, I'm going to tell you what you're going to reap. You're going to reap freedom and integrity. Instead of people avoiding you, they're going to come to you because you're going to be a trustworthy person who can hold confidence. That's the blessing. Let me tell you the curse from personal experience. Those of us who choose to disobey commandment number nine and embrace a life of gossip and lying, I'm going to tell you what you're going to reap. I know it because I've been there. You will reap isolation. You will end up alone. Completely alone. Let's get really practical. Here's some practical application of commandment number nine that comes out of all of the scriptures that I've laid out for you already this morning. I think we need to start by asking a question. 
Am I telling the truth? Am I leaving anything out? Am I adding anything in? Am I inflating it just a little bit or am I deflating it just a little bit? Am I trying to cover my own backside by not telling the truth? Exactly. Am I telling the truth or not? I mean, I need you to know something. I have a fallen nature. I mean, that's it. Everybody's got one. As a human being, you, you were born with a fallen nature. That means one thing. That means that in spite of my deep desire to want to tell the truth every day, I need to acknowledge that I'm prone to lie. So this is what I do. I get up in the morning and I let out our two dogs. We have two Yorkies. I know I lose all of my man points every time I say that, but they're cute, all right? They're cute. I let the dogs out and I stand at the door. If Laurel beats me to it, when I roll out of bed, a simple prayer comes out of my mouth that goes like this. God, you know as well as I do that I am prone to lie. Make me a man of honest lips today. Help me tell the truth. Let me be your truth today. It's a simple prayer. I mean, it would just be crazy for any of us to have whatever it issue is that we know easily besets us to just neglect it and pretend that we don't need God's help. No, instead we need to do exactly the opposite and invite God into that struggle. Talking to a guy after the last service. I said these words. I said, you know what? This is how it works. An alcoholic is always just one drink away from sliding right back. An addict is just one fix away from sliding all the way back. A liar is just one lie from slipping back. And God paints it all with the same brush. So choose truth. Choose truth. Secondly, here's a tough one. Truth your way out of tough situations. I grew up as a well-intended liar. I wasn't malicious with my lies. I wasn't trying to hurt anybody. I was well-intended. I just wanted to be the one person that wouldn't let anybody else down. I wanted to be the one person that didn't break a promise. So if I ever got caught coming up short somewhere, I would rather lie to a person's face than run behind the scenes, do everything that I could to quickly fix something before they exposed me in my lie. I just wanted them to not be disappointed. A well-intended liar is still a liar. We just are, whether we want to admit it or not. I learned that when it comes down to those tough moments, when you feel like you're boxed in a corner, you've got to make a decision. And the only way to get out of that tough situation is to truth your way out. One of my favorite verses in Scripture says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Do you know what that means? It means this. Whenever you choose to tell the truth, in a world where truth is relative and it shifts and moves. In fact, truth is just downright rare these days. Whenever you tell the truth, it's like you're giving the gift of a gold apple wrapped in silver. It's beautiful. It's precious. It's something to be desired. And we're called to give those away. Every single time you say something truthful, that's the kind of gift you're giving to the person who's receiving. Here's this next one. When it comes to gossip, ask this question. Why am I talking to this person about that person? That's a good question. All through Scripture, God keeps calling His kids to make sure that you get the right people in the room. If someone is missing, 
If you're talking about somebody and they're not right there in that particular moment, the potential for you to slide over into the sin of gossip just goes up exponentially. Anybody else known that to be true? When the person's in the room, you tend to just stick with the truth, right? They're not in the room, whoop, slip. Let's look at the last one. Refuse to gossip and call it out when you see it happening. And this is a tough one, right? Because we've all been there. We walk into the work lunch room. There's a group of people sitting around and they, they've got a court going on and they're judging somebody. You know, they're judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah, Bob is such a jerk and Bob didn't do this and Bob needs to get fired and Bob should have done this and Bob, 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 Bob. And we walk into the room and where do we go to? The water cooler or the coffee machine. Because it's like, I just don't want to involve, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to call it out. And by doing nothing, just in case you were wondering, it's sin. Because Scripture says, to those of us that know to do good and choose to do it not, it's sin. I'm not encouraging you to go like all weird. Don't walk into the room and go, in the name of Jesus, this sin shall stop. Cease your wicked words. Repent before Bob and Jesus. Otherwise, you'll be embraced by the fires of hell and burned there for all of eternity. Don't do that, okay? Some of you have done that. How'd that work for you? Not so good, right? Guess who they were talking about the next day at the lunch table, right? (laughs) That freak from the cubicle next door, right? Okay, all right? You can be tactful and say, hey, guys, you know what? Unless Bob's here, maybe we shouldn't be talking about Bob. Right? If you're willing to call it out in somebody else's life, you better be willing to call it out in your own. J.D. Holt is our executive pastor here at Christ the King. I was in a meeting once, and a group of us stepped across this line. We just did. We did. And J.D., in that moment... He just put his finger on what was going on, and he said, hey, you know what, guys? I think we just crossed the line. I think we just stepped out from under the covering of God's blessing, and I think we all need to back up a little bit. Be that guy. Be that person who's willing to speak the truth, even when it's tough. What decision are we making by obeying commandment number nine? Well, I listed your decision there today if you choose. It goes like this, I endeavor to tell the truth about my conduct and reserve judgment about others until I know the facts. I refuse to engage in gossip that would wound or hurt or wound another. Jesus names himself in scripture lots of different ways. One of my favorite ways happens in the book of John where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That means Jesus is truth. That's the truth of the gospel, the truth of the message that we can come as broken sinners and meet Jesus and that he can restore us and forgive us and give us hope for the future. He also said that the truth would set us free. That means the gospel sets us free from sin. It also means that whenever we make a decision to follow in the footsteps of Jesus by being truthful, that we're walking in the right direction. There's another name of another spiritual part of Scripture. The devil, the enemy of our souls, he's known as the father of lies. 
which means I have a simple choice to make starting right now. If I choose the way of dishonesty, I'm choosing to lie, then I am following in the footsteps of the father of lies. If I choose to be truthful and speak the truth, I'm following in the footsteps of Jesus who will always, always lead me in the right direction. So this challenge starts in the next five minutes and will go for the rest of your life. Choose truth. Be truthful. Follow in the footsteps of Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. On Tuesday of this week, I'm celebrating a bit of an anniversary. Ten years ago, September the 1st, I joined the staff of Christ the King Community Church, which means that we've actually been doing this together for a decade, which just seems to blow my mind how 10 years can go by. As the pastor of this church, as I get ready to look into the next decade, and maybe you look into the next decade as well, before we just jump into it, I'd like to say thanks for a few things. Thanks for being a church that loves the truth. Thanks for being a church that desperately wants every human being in Whatcom County to know and understand the truth that Jesus saves, that Jesus heals, that Jesus forgives. Thank you for the honor and the privilege that it is every week to come up here and open the Word of God and speak truth without apology. Thanks for being a church that doesn't freak out when your pastor holds up a sign that says insecure liar. Thank you for being a church that celebrates when the sign gets flipped. Thank you for being fellow secure followers of the Most High God. Thank you for loving truth and for inspiring me to continue on my journey to become a man of truth every moment of every day. It is my honor and my privilege not to do this out in front of you or behind you, but to pursue your truth right by your side. God has been good to us. And if we will stay in the truth, we have no reason to doubt that He's going to change it all because He is the way the truth, and the life. Would you pray with me as we close? God, thank you for honest, truthful moments, even when they're hard to talk about. God, thank you that I am a walking example of the devastation of breaking commandment number nine. And I praise you as a God who can take that and paint a picture of an example of someone that's in process, desperately needing your forgiveness, your love, and your hope. And I thank you that you've poured so much of that out to me. God, I pray that each one of us would choose truth this week. 
tomorrow morning when our boss says, tell them I'm not here right now. God, would you help us to choose truth? God, when we're asked a difficult question, would you help us to choose truth? When we come to you and and ask for you to look deep into the middle of our soul, would we choose to hear the truth? God, may we be truthful and honest people this week and in the weeks beyond, knowing that that won't bring glory to us, but that it will bring glory to you. I thank you that all we need is you. And I pray these things in Jesus' precious, holy, and truthful name. Amen.